Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I've been calling the U.S. home for the last 20 years. When it comes to Latinos in the U.S., we are 60 million people, but we're only 3% of the workers in science or engineering. As a professional in Silicon Valley, I've had the opportunity to meet some remarkable professionals that work in the tech industry, Latinos like me. With this podcast, I want to bring you a collection of their stories and how they got a job in tech in the first place. And if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? I want to share with you career advice on how to get a job in tech, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to find your tribe when you're the only one in the room. This is Latinos Who Tech. This episode of Latinos Who Tech is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's premium platform for audiobooks with over 150,000 titles. If you're like me, you're passionate about learning new things, but finding the time to read may be difficult. Audiobooks are a great alternative. You can get a free 30-day trial plus a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash latinos. Go and support them since they support us. Thank you. Sebastián Anaya, welcome to Latinos Who Tech. Yeah, thanks, Hugo. I'm happy to be here. So tell me, tell me your story. Uh, how do you introduce yourself at parties where people ask you, what do you do? Mm -hmm. How do you spend your time? Um, how do you take on that conversation? Yeah. So um, hi, everyone. My, my name is Sebastián Anaya. I'm currently a consultant at Accenture focused on Salesforce and even more specifically, Einstein Analytics. And a couple of things about me is that um, I was born in the U.S., so I'm a first-generation American um, from Mexican immigrants. And then also I've had the privilege and I'm grateful that I've been able to travel to more than 20 countries. So that's always something that I feel you know sticks out with me because one thing I really like to do is I enjoy to travel and then also learn about different cultures because I think that helps me connect with different people. Nice. Awesome, man. So, so when you say consulting, uh, what does that mean? You know, again, like Einstein analytics, uh, what is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so at Accenture, as you know, um, Accenture is one of the top consulting firms um, and one of the largest. Um, so right now we have, I'd say, around 450,000 employees globally. And, you know, as a consultant, um, I'm in the Salesforce space and Einstein Analytics. And so um, my my job is to be able to help clients, um, whether that be in the, the Fortune 500, Fortune 100, um, top enterprises to be able to help them navigate the complexities of doing Einstein. So Einstein has two parts. There's the analytics, which is your BI reporting on your Salesforce CRM. Um, but then there's also um, the machine learning aspect, which is Einstein Discovery. And so Einstein Discovery is a machine learning tool that allows you to identify those patterns and trends within your data using machine learning. Got it. So, so essentially, so companies have their Salesforce instance that they use to, again, 
track their sales or customers. And then Einstein would be, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, so Einstein would be uh, an app that runs on top of it, kind of like a dashboarding application. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. So um, I think one thing to know about Salesforce is that it's not just a CRM. Um, Salesforce, like there's so many apps they can build on top of it. I mean, the better the bread and butter of Salesforce is Sales Club. Um, and that's where you're tracking your sales, tracking all your leads so that they can convert into opportunities, right? But then there's also like Service Cloud, which allows you to um, bring in the customer service aspect um, for companies. So being able to track like different cases, help tickets, things like that to manage the customer service side. Um, there's also Marketing Cloud. There's even things like IoT Cloud. So there's a whole bunch of different apps that can help um, basically like Salesforce really pushes the whole customer 360. Um, so they wanna be able to help companies um, from any sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but any sort of journey where your customer is, whether that be you trying to attract them as a lead, you trying to close them on a deal, you being able to track, um, you know, any sort of service needs, Salesforce can help you track all of that. And then when Einstein comes in is that Einstein allows you to um, get insights from all that data and be able, after reviewing all those insights, you can take action and make updates in Salesforce all through Einstein. And then there's also like the more innovative um, approach where, you know, once we start applying machine learning and AI, um, this can help um, service reps um, perform different sort of actions to like say increase um, the customer satisfaction, make sure that customers don't churn and Einstein can allow you, allow you to build those recommendations to, you know, based on your historical data, what can it do to, um, you know, improve customer satisfaction churn and things like that. Got it. Well, thank you for painting that picture. So, so you mentioned that Salesforce is, again, it's not only a CRM. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, just to, to give some context, uh, these are huge enterprises uh, with yeah. uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of customers. So there's a, it's quite complex, uh, all the metrics that they're tracking for each one of the customers. And, and again, you know, your point of contact for customer A might shift you know, throughout the, their journey. Uh, people leave and people join companies again, so it, it happens. Uh, so I'm wondering when you are working with these tools, you know, what are some mm -hmm. of the challenges that you personally face uh, when you uh, want to actually use these tools? And then, you know, just walk us through what's the process on learning these tools. Do you have a prefer uh, learning courses? Do you, do you, what resources do you use? Yeah, so I think one thing that I can maybe start off with is sort of how I got into the Salesforce space, um, just mm -hmm. to get into like, you know, what I've learned throughout my time in the Salesforce ecosystem. So um, out of college, I joined Oracle. I was there for two years. I got my exposure there to databases and business intelligence. Um, and then I did a, a boot camp for Data Science Dojo and then also did a boot camp for Salesforce administration. So there, there is where I was able to um, basically combine both my skills of analytics and then also Salesforce. Um, 
And so after going through that, I, I joined a small Salesforce consulting company. And there I sort of got my jumpstart in the Salesforce ecosystem. And so I've been doing this now for three years. Um, and I think one thing with my previous company is that I got to work with um, different sizes of companies. Um, so I worked with startups, I worked with um, larger companies, um, SMBs, um, and I, I, got, I got exposed to like different issues and the way that they were looking at Salesforce. Um, you know, one company wanted to use Salesforce to be able to, um, you know, track um, different cars that get impounded. And so they wanted to see how can Salesforce be able to accomplish that. Um, another company is that wanted to use Salesforce to be able to track um, different events that they're hosting because they basically rent out equipment for like microphones and like projectors. Um, when there's different conferences like that, that's how they, they make their money. And so there's all these different use cases for Salesforce. But one thing that I've noticed that's like a sometimes that can be a misconception is that um, Salesforce won't do this all out of the box. Um, and so with consulting and me learning about all these different um, use cases, like um, I think customers, one thing they need to understand is like um, Salesforce won't work straight out of the box. You have to make sure that you choose a good implementation partner to be able to customize everything to your needs. Um, and so I think one thing that I was, that I'm grateful for to learn is like being able to translate business requirements into technical requirements. So that way you can basically um, build the solution that your customers need, because they may think they may speak one language, but you also need to be able to translate that into technical requirements. Got it. And, and that's exactly right, because uh, in the customer, whoever hires you to implement their Salesforce uh, analytics, uh, maybe they're experts in making cupcakes or they are a large multinational working in the airspace space. Uh, they're excellent at what they do and they hire you because they actually want to take this tool and customize it, you know, to meet their needs. So that's, uh, that's quite interesting. I, I, I really like that. Um, it's almost like, it's almost like, uh, when you buy, a, a, am trying to come up with an analogy for this, a, it's almost like buying a set of Legos, right? Mm -hmm. You can build whatever you want with them. A, yeah. But again, Again, you, you need to take the time and you need to actually use it, your creativity to, to build yeah. it. So and, that's, and then, uh, that's, that's quite interesting. And then speaking off of analogies, so like one thing about me too, so on LinkedIn, I'm always making posts about Salesforce, right? I'm posting like mm -hmm. all those like sort of Salesforce certifications that I've been like striving to achieve, um, like Salesforce news, like when Salesforce acquired Tableau, I posted about it, right? Um, so people, most of the time, they think that I work for Salesforce. But um, what I like to say is that I work with <laughs> Salesforce. And right. so one, one analogy that I like to use is that um, think of us sort of like a, like a car mechanic shop. Um, so people, what happens is like they'll buy like a Honda, Toyota, right? And it comes all stock. But the thing is, is that um, even though like, a car can start running and, and like perform your needs. You may have very specific needs of like, oh, I want these special rims. I want a spoiler. 
I want my car to be not actually to be automatic, I want it to be manual transmission. And so that's where we come in to customize your car. And the thing is, is that I only work with Hondas kind of thing. And that's where like right. Salesforce can be like the Honda. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I like that. I like that. And and then going going back to that uh how you learn these tools, these technologies. You, know, you mentioned you went to a boot camp, so I'm wondering uh, what was that experience like? Uh, would you recommend uh, a boot camp to get started with uh, Einstein or Salesforce at all? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm grateful for the way this opportunity came about because I learned about this boot camp back when I was like first looking for a job because um, I actually went through a layoff, and so um, I went to a networking event. Um, and that's where I met Jesse Martinez. Um, and he's the founder of Career Force. And Career Force is a boot camp to train diverse, the diverse workforce into becoming a Salesforce administrator. And so I was part of the first cohort that basically um, went through the boot camp and then um, I took the exam and became a Salesforce certified in that. That's awesome. And so again, it goes back to the power of connections, right? Because uh, yeah. you come up to these uh, uh, Latinos in tech uh, networking events, and you connect with people like-minded, and that's how things happen. So that's uh, that's awesome. I'm proud of you that you were able to do that, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but I'm wondering, so so the certifications, right? Uh, again, mm -hmm. for somebody that's uh, probably uh, looking to pivot into becoming a Salesforce yeah. administrator. Uh, what does the roadmap look like uh, from a time standpoint? You know, is it something that people can take a couple months to get studying after work? Is it something mm -hmm. that they actually need to like leave their job and focus only in this thing? Uh, what, what, what does that look like for uh, somebody that wants to become a Salesforce administrator? Yeah, so I'd say coming from like the completely newbie perspective, um, so one thing that helped me was like my background in data modeling. So that kind of, I'd say, gave me the edge to like learn and pick up things fast with Salesforce. But the th great thing about Salesforce, I think, is that they make it really easy with all the resources that they have to learn about the tool. So there's a website called Trailhead and Trailhead is like, you know, you can take all these different modules to learn specific tools. Um, and like different topics on like Salesforce and the product. Um, so you can take what's called a, a trail mix and a trail mix is a set of specific modules to like help you learn a specific product or topic. So like say there could be a trail mix on data security for Salesforce and you can learn all the different topics around that. Um, there's also like, even for like Einstein analytics, um, there's a specific trail mix that helps you basically get the foundational skills to you know being able to be able to build your own dashboards and reports and your data sets to be able to you know fully utilize um einstein in salesforce and all this is free um salesforce gives you um your own developer orgs when, once you sign up and so you can play around with it and upload your own data um customize it however you want because it's your playground to learn. And awesome. Awesome. as far as like the administrator certification goes, I think um, like three to six months is like a good time frame to be able to like 
um, start studying and then also prepare for the certification because the certification is um, 120 minutes for the exam and it's 60 questions. Maybe one hour and a half, but I'm kind of shaking up. I'm forgetting, but yeah, it's like 60 questions and I believe it's an hour and a half or 120 minutes. Got it. And and again, these uh, these certifications they they cost money, right? Uh, these are uh, it's, it's part of the model, yeah. right? Of how they 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 give you the the instruction materials for free, but then they charge you. And again, it must be like in the two hundred three hundred dollar range. Is that is that yeah. about right? So it's it's two hundred, and in order to retake it, if you fail it the first time, it's a hundred. But one thing I'm grateful for is that my company pays for my certification, so I can take as many as I want. Um, so usually if you're in the consulting space, um, your company or firm will be able to sponsor you and pay for your certification. Um, and then even like, um, companies that are users of Salesforce, um, most likely if there's like a use case or, a, a business case to be able to, um, have you certified, I'm sure that you can get the sponsorship needed from your manager to go and take the exam. Got it. So, so then walk me through, once you finish this uh, certification, uh, your first one, how do you go about marketing yourself as a Salesforce um, expert? Again, mm -hmm. I, I can implement these tools. So uh, how do you get your first job uh, working on Salesforce? Yeah, so one thing I've noticed was like the chicken and egg problem, right? So like um, in order to get experience, you need experience, right? And so... Um, one thing that helped me was when I was going to um, the Salesforce user groups, usually there's a user group in like the big metro area. So there's one in San Francisco, there's one in Oakland, um, and they host like monthly or quarterly meetups on like specific topics. Um, and anyone from the community can come and join to learn because that's what it's about. It's about um, sharing knowledge and connecting with others. And one thing that the San Francisco chapter does usually is like um, before they start the meetup they have like announcements and anyone can like announce anything and I remember what I did was that um, when I was like recently certified like I was looking to get experience in a new job right um, so one thing I did is I, I announced that like you know I introduced who I am and what I'm looking for and I asked people that I love to for someone to take a shot on me or like you know any any sort of help right um, and so what that ha ended up happening is I met my friend, Rick Wills. Um, and at the time he was working at Encino. And one thing that he likes to do is like, he likes to do a lot of pro bono Salesforce consulting for nonprofits. And that's what helped me get my, um, my first Salesforce experience. So we actually, on a weekend, we went over to San Rafael to help out a nonprofit on importing data in Salesforce. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's so, why those meetups are powerful, right? Uh, you can connect with people, opens up the door for opportunities. Uh, no, I, I, I love that, man, uh, breaking the pattern. Um, yeah. I remember I, I went to, uh, and again, it's about breaking the pattern, right? Because if anybody can apply online, everybody will. Uh, so if you can differentiate yourself somehow, uh, that's gonna, yeah, you know, you're gonna short circuit the system. Yeah. And I mean, awesome. sometimes all, all it takes is just practice and then um, being able to connect with the right people that allows you to like for that person to like, you know, take a chance on you.
And I'm, I'm always grateful for Rick because I think if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. And I mean, there's other people too, but yeah, that pro bono project helped out a lot. It's awesome. It's awesome. So, you know, besides knowing the tools, besides being a, an expert and knowing the tools or uh, maybe not being an expert, but knowing how to find the answers, right? Uh, Stack Overflow, the Salesforce social groups. Um, what other skills do you need to have uh, to work in this space as a consultant? You know, what are the, the, the other skills that, that you need to build? Yeah, so I think, as I was mentioning before, like, you know, being able to translate business requirements into technical requirements. And so to that, it's like the soft skills. Um, and I, one thing that I've learned in consulting is like being able to build a good relationship with your customer or client. Um, because one thing that you want to do is you want to be able to manage expectations. Because um, I think one thing I've learned is that um, if the expectation is too high, but then your delivery is too low, then like, you know, that sort of makes the customer unhappy or frustrated because you, you didn't align with the expectations of the product. You know, they think that, um, you know, oh, after I customize Salesforce, you can do everything and anything I want. But no, like you have to make sure that based on what you're delivering, um, it aligns with what they're looking for and what you're capable of building. Um, so the, the soft skills are there. Um, and, and then I think to add um, is also like just continuous learning. Um, because the thing is, is that you may not have all the answers. And so you gotta, you gotta do a lot of research. Um, like you mentioned, Stack Overflow or um, the different success communities in Salesforce. Because there's going to bound to be issues that you don't know, but you have to like learn what's been done before, connect with people that may have the right solution for you, um, or even um, like learn something new on Trailhead that you haven't done before to be able to execute on what you need to do. And it's sort of like a chain reaction. Got it. So if you could, uh, again, if you could go back on time and Talk to Sebastian, his first week as a consultant at Accenture. Um, what would you tell him? You know, what uh, what thing do you wish you had known uh, before? Uh, what thing do you wish you get you could have learned faster, starting mm -hmm. right out of the bat? Um, so one thing for sure is I think I I wish I would be able to um, connect with more people at the firm. So one thing with like a, a large consulting firm is that you may be on the what's called the bench and the bench is where you don't have a project um and and it's typical like once you join like a big firm that like there may not be a project aligned for you so you have to go and look for a project within the firm to see um what's out there and who can can you talk to and so like if you're joining a, a big consulting firm i really recommend to be able to like know the different people in your in your team or or division because they're the ones that are going to be able to help you get your first project and so one thing for me is that um at first there was a, a project that was going to be aligned for me but the thing is it, it sort of fell through um and, and i mean it happens right and so one thing i wish i knew how to do better is like navigate to to network with more people um so that way i can find a, a project much easier 
So how do you build relationships with people that are managing directors, senior consultants? Uh, how do you do that at, at Accenture? Uh, because uh, I'm curious on how you actually navigate, now that you know a bit more and you <laughs> actually have uh, friends inside the firm, uh, how do you, how, do, how does uh, um, an analyst or an uh, associate can do these things? Yeah, so one, one thing that I like is that um, we have different monthly social events. And so that presents an opportunity to be able to um, meet different people within the firm. So, I mean, it could be like a happy hour. It can be a rock climbing event. or something. Yeah, rock climbing. Um, there could be like some sort of presentation going on of like mental health. Um, but one thing that's done frequently um, and I believe it happens on a monthly basis is that at the San Francisco office, there's something that's called MDIR, which is managing directors and residents. And it's basically a panel of three or four managing directors. Um, and they talk about their experience and, you know, what they do for the firm. And so usually that presents an opportunity to be able to connect with them um, on a more personal level. Um, cause usually it's a small crowd. Um, and so you're able to ask questions, um, for them and, you know, learn more about them and, and then make face with others too. Um, so not just with the managing directors in the panel, but also people that are going to these events. And I, I found that really helpful, um, when it came down to, um, for me to like navigate the firm. Um, cause during my first month I, I went to one of those and I'm pretty happy about it because my first one, there was a Salesforce managing director that I got to meet. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. You can shake the hand and make the connection. Hey, I'm new at the firm and I focus yeah. on this thing that you are an expert on. So uh, that's awesome. So after, uh, so after a year and a half, uh, how awesome are your PowerPoint skills? How's your PowerPoint? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, again, when I when I navigate the the consulting subreddit, mm -hmm. it's it, it's it's always people. It's funny because it's it's a really. I'm, I'm sure you 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 navigate through it too. It, mm -hmm. It's funny because a, a lot of times I see people that are low key complaining about the fact that they have a, a really long workday, and then yeah. also talking about all the perks they get, right? The fact that mm -hmm. you can stay at a hotel on the, on the client's dime. Uh, and there's this thing about the please fix it. <laughs> <laughs> MD, right? Uh, yeah. So so, so, so I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, how true is that, right? That that sometimes you get an email at 7 p.m. and you know, they, expect, they expect you to uh, do stuff. Does that happen or, or is that more of a case-by-case -case basis? Yeah, I think that's more of a case-by-case -case basis, um, and it, it depend, really depends on the project. So um, sometimes you could be working on like a proof of concept um, for a company, and that you know engagement could only be like three weeks or two weeks, and so that's when time is like very um, valuable, and like you want to make sure that you know each day you're trying to meet the deadline of, you know, that proof of concept that you're trying to build out for them. And Got yeah, it. like, you know, when it comes down to like, also like the perks, 
of of consulting. And I think one of the things that I really enjoy, um, as, as I was mentioning earlier, like, you know, I, I've been to over 20 countries, right? Um, uh, most of those haven't been, hasn't been through work. Um, hopefully, like, you know, as I continue to climb the ladder, I'll have like international engagements. But, um, you know, one thing I do enjoy is like when I do get to go on a project domestically, um, you know, I do enjoy the travel and getting to know different cities. Um, so most recently, um, I was on a project in Miami and, you know, it was during when the cold weather, um, like here in Northern California, like I, it was like during February and January. And so it was really cold. Right. But then since my project was in Miami, I got to travel to sunny Florida and, you know, it was really nice weather. Um, I really enjoyed it there. And then the company I was at, um, since there's like a really big Cuban and like um, Latino influence in South Florida. Um, one thing that I really liked or thought was cool is that at this company that I was working in, um, there would be a lady that would pass a, a cortadito, like an espresso shot, um, <laughs> yeah. every morning. And that was mm -hmm, like one mm -hmm. of my favorite memories about working in that project is that like... You know, I got to experience like the Florida or like Miami culture with this company. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. That's. Uh, I remember when I was going to to college in in Orlando. Uh, I would go to a, a Cuban place and pick up uh, uh, some cafecito, some some yeah. cortado. So they give you they give you the, the the large coffee cup and then all the tiny little ones. So you mm -hmm. get that and then you share it among your friends, and it's great. You know, just. Uh, Let's sit down and study dynamics. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I'm happy you got to to experience some of that, some of that Florida hospitality. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, it's not just Florida, but then also we have a, a training center in Chicago, and so like usually when I have trainings, um, I stay out there for a week, but then I also spend the weekend in Chicago and then fly back home Sunday night. So um, it's been great to be able to like, you know also rake in the miles and hotel points. And cause I mean, that eventually ends up like helping you out when you're planning your next vacation or something. Sebastian, can you tell me a bit about Latinx in AI and what they're trying to do? What do they want to accomplish? Yeah, so with Latinx and AI, um, that's a coalition that I co-founded with a couple other folks um, back in January of 2018. Um, but I have transitioned out um in mid 2019 and so um one of the reasons why um you know i'm very passionate about this organization is that you know when it comes to latinos and um the community um there's not a whole lot of us in um ai um and one thing that like really like bothers me or frustrates me it's like you know, there's never people that look just like me in the space, like um, in the introduction of your podcast, right? You have that Latinos are the majority of, um, you know, California and then also in a lot of parts of the U.S. But how come mm -hmm. that, that's not reflected in like tech and then more specifically within like the data science slash AI space? And so right. one of the reasons why we co-founded the organization is that you know, we want to be able to increase representation of Latinos, Latinx uh, folks in the AI space. And so 
to that, um, we also want to be able to improve the access to education and resources in AI because in order to get there, you know, we need to be able to educate ourselves and um, become experts in the field to be able to um, contribute, right? Um, and then also, um, when it comes down to like the fourth industrial revolution and AI, um, there's a lot of effects that are going to come with it, right? There's going to be automation, um, which is going to lead in turn to like um, job loss, right? Um, so one of the scary parts is that, um, you know, autonomous vehicles, there's a big um, population of Latinos that are truck drivers. And so they may get affected. Another thing that I recently saw too is that um, there was a startup that recently got funded. I can't remember the name right now, but um, basically it's a robot that helps you pick strawberries. And as you know, in California and a lot of parts of the US, um, there's a lot of Latino um, farm workers and you know that, that presents some sort of risk to um, this automation that's coming. And so we wanna be able to improve awareness to the community on the short-term and long-term effects of AI. Um, and then also like being able to make sure that there's communication between companies within um, um, those in the AI space to be able to recruit more Latinx engineers. And then also make sure that like it's transparent and also um, the representation of Latinos and Latinx um, culture in like voice and AI such as like, you know, Alexa, it's accurate of Spanish and our culture. Um, so in a nutshell, it's essentially bringing harmony between the Latinx community and um, AI. That's awesome. No, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and, and I like the fact that you mentioned awareness because uh, again, innovation is only gonna increase. Yeah. Uh, so things like uh, that robot that happens to know how to pick up uh, strawberries because we we taught it <laughs> how to. Uh, again, things are just gonna improve in that front. So so how do we take our our community uh, from a standpoint of, hey, uh, let's be against the robot to a standpoint of, oh, let's build a robot. We'll become the people that maintain it and fix it and. Uh, because and something that that's recurring in, in people that listen to to this show, you know, the four or five people that listen to it, they yeah. have people that that happen to be Uber drivers. And yeah. again, again, you don't have to be an Uber driver. You can learn how to break into tech in your own way. Because again, not everybody that works in tech is a programmer. Yeah. There's also salespeople and UX people, and even the people that work in uh, the travel side, the admin side, they're in tech too. So mm -hmm. it's uh, so knowing all these tools, you know, like the, the things you mentioned in the beginning, like going to meetups, asking people for referrals, volunteering, all these things can help you actually pave your way into tech. Um, so now I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, you know, that the organizations like Latinx in AI that are creating awareness around these topics. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then one thing was that, um, well, just to add one more point is that, you know, just like AI and technology is evolving, um, we have to evolve um, our skills as well. Um, 
now with the, the fourth industrial revolution, right? You know, we got to continue to update our skills and continue to learn because if not, we'll, we'll be behind. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the other thing I was going to add about Linux and AI is like, you know, um, ever since the organization started, there's been a bigger presence of Latinx researchers um, at all these different conferences. So like, Europe's it's the largest AI conference in the world. Um, so Latinx and AI has helped um, different researchers from Latinx origins or um, diverse backgrounds to be able to present at these conferences um, through like sponsorships and grants. Um, and so that's one thing that's pretty remarkable about the organization is being able to um, break down these variable barriers to to allow these researchers to come and present their work. That's awesome, that's awesome. I'm curious on how do you do it? How do you stay up to date on technology? Um, how, do you how do you like to keep your, your skill set sharp? Yeah, so um, one thing I try to keep a habit of is um, reading. Um, so I have like a, a list of books that I wanna read e each month um, and you know, sometimes that that's like a personal development book um, that could be like a finance book, um, especially now with the bear market going on. It's like, you know, really relevant. And then also like, you know, some sort of like book related to my field. Um, and, you know, I think being able to read books like allows me to learn more and different things. And then also um, one website that I really like right now is DataCamp. So data camp is like a data science um, resource that allows you to like learn R, Python, SQL, like all the foundational programming languages that you need to become like a data scientist, data analyst, or a data engineer. Um, and like all within the AI space. Um, and then also right. since I'm, I'm in the Salesforce space, you know, I continue to practice on Trailhead, um, and you know learn different skills like now that salesforce acquired tableau like one thing i want to learn more about is you know tableau because i imagine that you know it's going to be really important to be able to combine both tableau and einstein analytics definitely that's awesome man yeah i do something very similar i i love reading so i always try to keep uh, two books at the same time uh, mm -hmm. so something related to what i do you know, so something about business or technical marketing or, again, just uh, product marketing. And then also keep uh, something with fiction. So something like sci-fi or something to decompress. So yeah. because at the end of the day, um, you know, it's got to be fun, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it, it's cool that we find all these topics interesting. Um there's a book that uh, I really like. Maybe you'll enjoy. It's called the The End of Jobs, and it's about the okay. again fourth industrial revolution. And uh, I'll I'll actually send you a copy. Uh, and I'm reading that one right now. And then I'm also reading uh, uh, Red Mars by Kim Stanley Robinson. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a sci-fi book. It's about terraforming Mars and then how how would we go about it. And uh, and again, you know, it's just a way of keeping balance, right? Because yeah. You, you 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 have to. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so much information out there that you gotta be uh, strategic on what you consume, and also you have to be mindful of your your mental health, right? Uh, you can't be driving all the time at 
120 miles an hour. Uh, like yeah. you gotta find something to like slow you down and you know when it's time for resting. Yeah, like um, I remember that Tim Ferriss gave the advice of like reading a fiction book um, right before you go to bed because that helps like yeah, the yeah. mind decompress. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I do. That's exactly what I do. Uh, do you have any advice for young professionals, people that want to break into a career in data analytics, consulting, Salesforce? Any any advice for them? Yeah, so I think I have two things. So when it comes down to analytics um, and getting started, I'd say start with SQL, um, SQL. Um, I think that's going to be your foundational skill to break into data analytics because that's pro something that, that I use quite often. Um, and Jorge Garcia, he's one of my mentors. He he actually told me about like you know you got to make sure that in order to be a great data scientist or data engineer, you gotta have great SQL skills. So there's that. And then also the other thing I wanna be to add is like, you know, one thing that's helped me to navigate a, a career in data analytics, because I don't have a traditional background. Um, so I, I came from an econ background um, where, I, where I didn't have like a as technical role, but um, you know, I wanna say have grit, um, don't give up because like, you know, the first couple of times that you may apply for a job, you know, you may get that rejection letter. But the thing is, um, you got to keep going um, because you believe in your dream. And um, you, if you want to be a data scientist or a data engineer, you got to have grit to be able to keep going and um, overcome your different obstacles to get to where you want to be. And if you want to be in consulting or join Accenture, I'm more than happy to connect with you and provide a referral to help you get into either the Salesforce space or analytics space at Accenture. Awesome. Thank you for that, Sebastian. Uh, you know, if people can go to the show notes and look for Sebastian Anaya in LinkedIn and, and, and connect with you, we'll, I'll make sure to add that. I don't know. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I'm grateful to be a part of the show. And thank you for having me.